This is Food First Michigan on News Talk 760 WJR. Sponsored by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food secure state, and by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome everyone, and thanks for listening. Jerry Brisson and I are kind of the kings of phrases. We're constantly looking for the right combination of words to express an idea about our work and give a visualization that best represents the work of our Food Bank Council of Michigan network. For example, we talk about, quote, taking hunger off the table. Quite the visual if you think that one through for a moment. Others we've coined since we started this show are, quote, the toxic stress of food insecurity. We all know about stress, but toxic stress gives visual of someone desperately sick from exposure to a poison or radiation. And that's what we want people to grasp about the people that we serve. Another we've been using is standing in the gap. This one is a bit harder for those of us in North America because we don't have any walls around our cities. The phrase standing in the gap is biblical for sure and like much of scripture should be examined through the cultural lens. The gap occurs in a wall. It's a hole in the wall and not just any wall. It's the wall around a city designed to protect those living within the walls. Cities with walls are actually pretty common, and one of my favorites is in York, England. But you have to get to the old world to really see them. Certainly, Jerusalem is a walled city. If the gap were to go unattended in the wall, then enemies would pour into the city and wreak havoc. Certainly, our U.S. capital is now surrounded with walls designed to keep people out. So when a breach occurs, a gap is created, it has to be filled with something in an emergency. And more often than not, it is filled with brave men and women who choose to stand in the gap. Here on our show, we don't have a physical wall with a hole in it, nor are our food banks encased inside of a fortress. But figuratively, And with actions, we need people to come alongside of us and the people we serve to stand in the gap with us and for the families. Today, our guest is a person who ran for public office so she could stand in the gap for the food insecure children, seniors, and working families. She is Representative Angela Whitwer and a member of the Michigan House of Representatives who consistently puts people over party as she stands with Jerry Brisson and me today as our guest on this edition of Food First Michigan. Welcome, everyone. As promised, Jerry Brisson joins me with Representative Angela Whitwer from the Michigan 71st, newly re-elected. And so, Representative Whitwer, welcome back to Food First Michigan. Thanks, Dr. Phil. Thanks, Jerry. Good to see you both. Awesome to see you. 
Way yeah. better for us than it is for you, I have to say. <laughs> to our listening audience, we are the lucky ones. But uh, but congratulations. I mean, uh, you know, we, we couldn't be happier than to have an advocate like you with us in the legislature again. You, you know, you do so much heavy lifting for the people we serve, and, and it means so much to all of us around the state. And so great to have you on the show, but even more importantly, great to have you working on our behalf. Thanks, Jerry. You're always so kind. I love I love seeing you actually, but I really like to um, be on the show with you. And it is it it is one of my top priorities to make sure that we take care of um, the people that are hungry. I, I listen to you both enough to know that without food, there's nothing really else at the top of the pyramid. So you have to have food, and it's been a real pleasure to be able to work with both of you on that. Well, in the 71st district. Um, representative is um, is a lot of agriculture in the 71st. So, you know, we think so solving hunger starts in the field. I, I agree. We have I have really great relationships with the um, farmers in our district. Michigan Farm Bureau is actually in my district. And we have a really heavy urban area, too, in, in the district. It's it's a one of those interesting 50-50 districts. And um, they're all all the farmers want to help and make sure that their food is used that's in their field. Well, the other, um, you know, so you, in your first term, uh, you worked uh, on several pieces of legislation. Um, and one has to do with uh, a tax credit, particularly for our entry level donors for uh, uh, two food banks. And you sponsored this legislation, and uh, I'm proud to say that it got as far, it got further than it's ever gotten before. Um, but these were tax credits that were uh, existed for a number of years, and then during the Snyder administration, um, lots of tax credits, including ours, uh, were taken off the books. But you reintroduced this. We testified together. Um, before a hearing, and um, and then it got all the way to the Senate Finance Committee, where I think we just really more ran out of time than we did anything else. It's not that anybody was against it, but it is a hard year to try to get tax credits reintroduced and renewed in the wake of the pandemic, and, and certainly we're not out of it yet. So what what are your thoughts on that piece, specifically that piece of legislation? I think it's really important. I'm in. I've been in fundraising my whole life, much like both of you. And uh, it's a, such a small amount, but it adds up to so much for food. And in my district, personally, if you're from the Eaton County area, it's right outside the capital. Um, most people would be surprised to know that we have about fourteen to fifteen thousand people that don't know where their next meal is coming from. So when you have it in a district like mine and then you go to Detroit and you find out more than a third of each one of their districts have people that don't know where their next meal is coming from, we need to do whatever we can. And it's really nominal, the amount of um, money that we're talking about and the amount of help that it will give to each one of our districts is huge. So it was a really important bill and it was important enough that we have an opportunity to put in 10 priority bills before we get to January. And it was one of my 10 um, priority bills. It's already going through right now to get ready to be introduced early on because I did read that our new speaker, Jason Wentworth, who's a 
a very um, honorable man. Um, I do think you both will like him, and I look forward to you both meeting him. He um, he's introducing some legislation about lame duck, and it so right off the bat, he's starting out to do the right thing for the people in limiting the amount of um, bad jammed through bills at the end of a session and making us really work toward getting these done prior to this um, last month of session and, and having the time to be thoughtful about it. So I'm going to work to get this started now so that we can get it done. That's pretty exciting. I, I, I wasn't aware that that was a practice, um, you know, for um, that you could you could list your top 10 bills that you really are excited about. But is that new or is that something that has been in place? They they let uh, once the election is done, you I think the next day you get 10 priority bills and or 10 bills and um, you can put them in and they will be put in and ready to go generally sometime in January. And we're starting to get some of our, um, they call them bluebacks, back in the office right now to be able to introduce them. Sometimes you introduce them, you know, at different times of the year, but I put mine in already so that they're ready to go. And yours was one of the ones I um, picked to be able to be in that 10 per 10 bill, you know, thing by the end of the year. So um, I'm excited because I want to get that one in as soon as possible. So we have the appropriate amount of time um, to be able to get this done. It helps, you know, it's, it's like I said, it's such a small tax credit that it, that it's, um, it doesn't seem like much to most people, but the other, the flip side of it is so important for the food banks and for the people that don't know where their next meal is coming. And since it is our work, a lot of people's work, like I know uh, Representative Mari Manugian, it is an extremely big goal of hers to be able to work on food insecurity. And Joe Tate, Representative Tate out of Detroit. So we have um, most of the representatives know this is an issue. We just have to work through the process in an earlier time frame. So we put it in already and we're ready to rock and roll and get that done. Well, for sure, as we continue to look at what's going to happen in the next year even, um, we're still very concerned about the number of people that are food insecure that are not going to recover from the economy. Um, we look at a lot of different information to try to, I mean, you can't really predict, but you can at least get a sense of where things might be. And it seems like this is turning into uh, some part of, parts of the economy are going to recover very quickly and other parts are going to take a long time, even years. And what that means for us is we know we started before the pandemic just in our area with 700,000 food insecure people. That's running at closer to 850,000 now. And it's going to be between those two points for at least the next year, probably running closer to that 800,000 number. So any help we can get we really can use. I mean, the, the bottom line is for gleaners, it's every dollar is three meals. Um, I know, I know for some of my colleagues, they do even better than that. And I, and I think it's, it's really important that people realize how much every dollar matters. I think that that's a good point, Jerry, an education point for people. I always tell people that, you know, everyone wants to do a can drive and it's, it's one of those tangible things that you can do, but, a dollar 
by so much more than a can drive does. So, I, I mean, we appreciate everything, obviously, but to educate the people about how important it is when you go to Meyer and you get a 10 for a dollar vegetable cans, it just donate it to your food bank and it'll provide three great meals for people. And it's, it's really important, but I know um, schools and, you know, people feel good about handing over the food to food banks. Um, I, a big thing that made me realize the importance of this is I volunteered all, I've been volunteering through the pandemic at all the schools and handing out meals to families, prepared meals to families. And the, um, the amount of people that are coming through our school food lines, and I give it to our schools for providing these pre prepared meals. They were scrumptious looking and providing these prepared meals, providing them happily and, um, and with no question. They didn't have to have students sometimes. They just, if you need food, we're here for you. And there's so many people that want to do this important work. Well, Dr. Diane Gozinski will be happy to hear that news, that the food <laughs> looks scrumptious. Yeah, no Diane doubt about courses. it. They had chef salads in Charlotte School District that were amazing. And then they had USDA boxes once a week, and they were packed with really scrumptious food. It was really amazing what was in it. Well, that's great news. Uh, the news about your charging ahead with the uh, the bill on behalf of uh, donations, tax credits to food banks, great news. But we've got more to talk about with you. You're serving on the governor's Food Security Council. So when we come back in the next segment, let's talk about your role in that and the report that's just dropped recently. That's Jerry Brisson. I'm Dr. Phil Knight. She's Representative Angela Whitworth from Michigan's 71st District. We're all three back with you in just a moment. Contact the Food Bank Council of Michigan at fbcmich.org. Now back to more Food First Michigan with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for listening to Food First Michigan. Jerry Brisson, uh, my illustrious, esteemed, thought-leading co-host. Jerry, how are you today? You know, you you keep forgetting stunningly good-looking. I don't know why, but, uh, you know, we got to make just, sure to fit that into the, into the just description. just gloss right over that. <laughs> anyway, well, you know what? Um, we're... We're happy to be able to help. There's been a lot of good news in the last few weeks in terms of the the uh, the help that people that need our help are getting. You know, the federal legislation was huge. The unemployment extension was huge. The the additional um, EBT SNAP uh, dollars were huge. The extra food is is critically important. And so, you know, we were we were on a pretty big cliff there where we weren't sure what was going to happen. And and we know people got some really, really important relief. So so that I mean, you know, of course, in our world, uh, the fact that we can keep getting more food out, we had record distributions in December. It was the the most food we've ever handed out in a month in the history of the food bank. That was uh that was uh, a lot of work, but obviously it wouldn't have been possible. A lot of that was made possible by the state of Michigan and, uh, and their support of food banks. Um, 
as they were uh, looking at their priorities for the CARES dollars that came to them and, and some of the other uh, funding streams that they allowed us to help them distribute. And so we, we are so grateful that we were able to provide that service. And I can speak for my colleagues, my uh, colleagues at other food banks across the state who feel the same way. Uh, it's this partnership that makes it possible to serve our community in these really challenging times. So certainly grateful for all that support and uh, and we're feeling like, okay, we got a reprieve for a few months, but we're going to be back at that cliff before you know it. And so obviously the work just continues. Representative Angela Whitworth from Michigan 71st is our guest today. And um, Representative, you know that as what Jerry's talking about here is one piece of legislation that came through uh, our uh, House and Senate was a, a $9 million um, piece of legislation that allowed food banks to purchase Michigan-based foods. So it was meat, protein, produce, dairy, fresh, uh, some fresh produce. And so, uh, you know, we have to say that, you know, as Jerry said very eloquently, that the state of Michigan has been a partner for us. Certainly the administration has been and the legislature. And one of the things that we really believe here on Food First Michigan is that solving hunger or creating food security is really one of the issues that has the ability to unite us all. And I know for you in the 71st, it's always been people over party. Uh, that the people of your district have always been the priority for you. And, and solving hunger as a way of galvanizing us together like few issues that we're facing in our in our communities and our society can do. Yeah, it's not that is true. And um, I mean, from we have a guy that owns a theater in Grand Ledge and they, we have little food banks around our communities or but they're very important food closets, food pantries, food, anything. And. Um, Chuck Pantera from the Sun Theater, he runs a donation thing where people just pull up, they line up around the block and drop money into a bucket and he donates it all to um, the Grand Ledge Food Bank. And it happens in all the small communities because it is a tangible thing that people feel like they can help. And what I, I agree with Jerry that people don't really understand the level of of how many people go without food. And um, how much we need to we need to if you if you have a heart you don't want to see a kid without food and sometimes uh, people don't understand the last meal they get was at school and so kids haven't been going to school lately and kids are going without food every single day and that is uh, they'll go all weekend from lunch at school till Monday at breakfast and we really need to make sure that we're taking care of the people. That's more important than politics. That's more important than party. There is no party line when it comes to taking care of children, seniors, people. Uh, right. That's awesome. Beautifully said. No wonder you won. <laughs> <laughs> I would have voted more than twice if I had not. <laughs> oh my gosh. Please don't bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll stay away from that. But let me bring this up. You're serving and, and volunteered, I might add, to serve on uh, the governor's Food Security Council. And uh, that 
there's been there's two reports that have been assigned to this council and one the first one which just dropped recently um, is is about the effects of COVID-19 on food insecurity across the state and so um, I think that that you you've released a, a, a statement about that I have the honor to serve as the chair of the Food Security Council and um, and you can find that at our website fbcmich.org you can find the the uh, initial report you can also find it at the Department of Health and Human Services website um, so tell us a little bit about your experience on working this and the I guess maybe the the uniqueness of having a, a food security council rather than just a poverty or just a whatever council it's been a pretty unique experience I, I would agree. And um, we all have an opportunity to volunteer to be on a part of um, some of these committees. I was appointed on um, really important health care um, committees. I was for prescription drugs and opioid abuse. But all of that stems from not having food and not having everything you need. And it's been my, you know, since I was a young girl to now, something that's very important to me is to make sure that the people that are in Michigan and to address their their needs and to make sure that it's done. So I volunteered to, it was something very important. I wanted to be on this committee. And when I found out that you were leading it, Dr. Phil, and that it was being done with um, the brain power of all these food bankers, um, there's no one better than Jerry Brisson and there's no one, you know, the food banks in Michigan are second to none. I've had an opportunity to, tour many of them. And if, if you ever have an opportunity to go to the one that Jerry heads up, Gleaners, it's like going to Sam's Club. And it's it's amazing what, what Jerry has done for the people of Southeast Michigan. Um, there's a, you know, Food Bank of Eastern Michigan and um, in Flint, it's beautiful, but the kitchens that they have and what they need. So being a part of this group and being able to help address the food needs um, that people in Michigan are facing, uh, was was extremely important to be, and you're right, it's different than looking at um, what causes people to get to a place where they don't have food. Maybe it is opioid crisis, but it's really laser focused on um, collaborating with partners and um, looking at uh, downstream and how, how we get food from X to, you know, Y. And, and we really, you've done a really good job of you know, hurting this great big group of people and a lot of good minds and voices and putting together a concise report for the governor on how we solve this, because I know it's yours and Jerry's and all the food bankers goal is to solve hunger for the people in Michigan, um, the, the state that has the second most diverse egg, egg producing um, population should not have people as many people, almost a million people now that are hungry. We should be able to solve hunger for the people of Michigan. And I believe that the report that, that the committee has worked so hard on putting together is a great big step toward doing that. Well, you know, one of the things we've said on this show more than once is there's two words that should never go together, and that's hunger and child. Mm -hmm. And uh, and one of the, one of the huge um, 
outcomes that we hope comes from this work of the Food Security Council is a, is a focus on making sure that Michigan's children are never hungry, that not one single child in this state needs to be hungry. And we know that, that solving any big complex social issue is going to take more than one tool in our tool bag, right? And that's why there's a commission with a lot of different people, with a lot of different expertise who can bring multiple tools, multiple ideas, multiple strategies. But what I can promise is this, there is no future where a safety net won't be needed. Things happen to people. They lose their jobs. They lose a loved one from the home, either because of divorce or death. They, they, um, they have a health crisis. And all of these things create times when people need help. And it is not insulting to need help. Needing help is something that happens. And, it, and in many, many instances, getting people the help they need soon enough and making sure that it's enough help soon enough prevents them from cycling into a much worse situation that's way more expensive and difficult to fix. So, you know, we're eager to continue to see the work of this commission. We're greatly um, anticipating that this is going to be formative work as we look at what systems do we really need to have in Michigan and how do we make those real. Right. I, I mean, when you when you say that, maybe that's why it's so important to me. I'm, my dad died when I was a kid, and I, w I remember being at Royal Scott Bowling Alley at my first job and finding out he died, and he was the sole breadwinner. And in those times, you didn't, you know, we didn't have life insurance. He was 47 years old. You know, you go, and then you go to nothing. And, um, you know, I've had some times in my life where you have to make decisions. Do I buy food or do I pay for the light bill? And you have little kids that are helping and it's due, you're right. You don't plan on coming home and having your 47 year old dad die or a divorce or anything like that. And it does play havoc on life on your life. And it has been very, it's heartwarming to me to know that there is this resource through the food banks and we have to make sure that we do have a safety net. And I, I tell people all the time, no one chooses no one wants to live in a place where they can't afford their food. This isn't like we grow up and think, thank, thankfully, we can go to a food bank. No one wants to be able to do that. They want to work. They want to be able to provide for their families. But when things happen, like you said, Jerry, and things have happened to me personally that I never intended to happen, you, a safety net is really important. And a safety net is something we all need to protect. Let me take a break right here so we can have time for the next segment with Representative Angela Whitworth, Jerry Brisson, and me, Dr. Phil Knight. We're back for our third segment with Representative Whitworth. Come back and be with us. Food first, Michigan. Once again, here's Phil and Jerry. Welcome back, everybody. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight here with our guest, Representative Angela Whitwer from Michigan 71st. We've talked to quite a bit about food insecurity and uh, Food Security Council and some personal things here from all, all three of us here. And so it's great to have you back with us, Representative. But um, I, I want to talk just a moment about the, the moment, if we could. Um, mm -hmm. Because I know from our conversations, um, there's been some difficulty 
uh, in serving as the representative for Michigan 71st or serving in political life at all. So I, I just want to highlight for a minute that there's a price to be paid here in order to stand in the gap for the causes and for the people that you care about so deeply. I, I, and I know that there's been phone calls and there's been text and there's been communications um, about you and your service and your life. And certainly that plays into the moment that we're in now where really threats to public officials are vogue and if and 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 not as it's more acceptable now than it's ever been even though it is unacceptable it's a really difficult time in our country right now and um i've been always an eternal um believer in our country and i've never been an uber political person so um, I always believe that, you know, we have people that are in charge. We'll have a Republican governor, Republican president, Democrat governor, Democrat president. I just said this to someone just the other day who um, and I said, uh, you know, always, you know, some day, some years my company will do a couple dollars better than other years. But it all evens out. And, you know, we we have a really unique country. We've all been able to come together um, you know, moments of despair, but we've come together and I've done okay over the years of working really hard. And, and right now we're in a really emotional time where both sides of this coin um, feel like they are patriots and they feel like they both, both sides love their country and both sides want the best for the people in the country. And um, we've kind of lost focus almost for a minute and, I just can't, I, for some reason, cannot see the hate. I, and I, maybe that's why I won the seat because I know that we'll have peaceful power changes in this country. And um, it's a scary time. I hear from my friends on both sides of the aisle, you know, do you have, do you have cameras on your house? Do you have, are you being taken care of? I've had death threats. I've had um, threats to my, to the people that work in our office, our district office. Um, I've had to request to have parking changed because they're afraid to walk into work. And it's, you know, everywhere I've ever worked, it's been about making sure you have the tools to do your job, make sure you have, you feel, you know, safe at your job. And there's laws to protect people so they feel safe at their job. But yet, um, right now, if you work in public service in any kind of political arena, it's not too safe right now. And, um, we're, we're, they're, they're amping up security. There's been a lot more visible security that I've never seen. Um, and I feel actually very safe, uh, very, very safe at work. So um, I'm, I was raised by a detective. So Dr. Phil, I have a, a much like your son, my, my dad made sure we, we were very well aware of our surroundings. So I've been that way my whole life and I'm very, very aware of who's in front of me and who's got my back. And, um, but I, in, in our district, um, you know, people are pretty supportive of me because I have stuck to the work of what's right, not political. And I, I just think people are sick of the political games and they question things that are going on. And that's never been my MO. I've always been, um, what is the right thing? That's the, the first thing I think, uh, first thing I do is I check with the people in my district. How do you want me to vote? I don't own this vote. 
This vote isn't about Angela. This vote is about you. How do you want me to vote? And then is it the right thing for the people of Michigan? And then I move forward. And it's not always popular on either side of the aisle, but it's popular in our district and it's popular for the people. And I think I think that um, maybe we need to pause, like in take a deep breath and realize that we're all people in America and we all want the same thing, the good, the right things. And we all have powerful votes. Cast your vote if you don't like the person that's there. And that's the way that we should handle these things. I'm not a, an angry person. I'm not a I'm not a violent person. So this violence is really disturbing to me. It's, it's very disturbing to me. And I think it's, it's not welcome in my life. Violence is not welcome in my life. So I don't understand it. And I always go back to, we are the United States of America united and we need to unite and be there for each other. And that's how I've always lived my life. It's not an easy job. The governor doesn't have an easy job. The president doesn't have an easy job right now. Nobody could have ever guessed that we would be where we are right now with COVID. Um, you know, and then when we're entering the 101st and we have um, a speaker of the house who I, again, have to say is an honorable man, um, we have an opportunity every time we change the legislature over to work together. And there's always going to be some gamesmanship. I now know that. And there's always going to be, you know, letters of disappointment probably. But when it all boils down, do the work that's right for the people. And I just will always do that. I don't want to play around with what's, you know, the next game we can play on each other. I don't want the next fireball. I want to know what is the work that's right for the people and then do it. It's beautiful. I don't know how you add to that. I really don't. That's, uh, that's how it should be, and that's why we elect people to do the job. We have to trust you and your colleagues to be able to sort through these issues because none of us have the, the time or the responsibility, and, and, uh, and it's why we trust you. And so, uh, so thank you for that. It means a lot to, I hope, everyone who's listening to know that uh, 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 you know, one of their legislative representatives, whether they elected you or not, is still working on their behalf just because you're doing the right thing for the people as you understand it. And, uh, and we're, again, very grateful for that. Thanks, Jerry. I appreciate it. She's Angela Whitworth. She's a representative from Michigan 71st, and she continues in her second term to stand in the gap for not only the people in the 71st, but for all people across Michigan. And she has a heart and a passion for those who are facing food insecurity. And she's been our guest today on Food First Michigan. Representative Whitworth, thanks for being with us again. Let's not make it too long before you're back. Thanks a lot. I really, I, again, I appreciate the invitation, Phil and Jerry. I really appreciate it. And I live by your one-liner that you have, Dr. Phil. I, I love it and I have it printed off. Everybody gets one handful of life and we need right. to invest it in things that matter, things that are bigger than us and will last mm -hmm. longer than we do. Right. And that's what you both do. You, you remind me of that often. So I thank you both so much for the important work and the important reminders to all of us of that. It's our pleasure. Jerry and I are back to wrap up this show in just a moment.
Representative Angela Whitwer, um, uh, certainly our, our, our friend for sure, and also uh, someone who stands in the gap with us. You know, I just think it's important to underscore the integrity that she has and, and, um, and to remind people that our elected officials have a lot of integrity. They really do. They really do care. And I know people get frustrated that their priorities don't seem to always get addressed. And, and you should be. That's what participative democracy is about. But I just want to say I'm, I'm grateful for and impressed by the integrity of, of Representative Whitwer and many of her colleagues who are really trying to do what's best for all of us. Well, time for a little food for thought. The question of who will stand in the gap for my people was asked by the Almighty himself. And we've learned today on this show with Representative Angela Whitwer that not only does it take compassion to understand the struggles of the food insecure population, but it also takes courage to stand in the gap. In this day and age with threats to political leadership, not only in vogue, but acceptable, it also takes courage. We need you to continue to stand with us, our seven Feeding America food banks here in Michigan, and all 208 of them across the U.S. Stand in the gap with us by helping us to keep food first, folks. Food first. Food First Michigan, presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state.